All right, we're about to get started here. Thank you guys for jumping on the line. Let me just check to make sure that you can hear me. You can possibly see me. And let's see here. Can you hear me? Yes, wonderful. Priscilla, thank you for letting me know that you can hear me and see me. My friends, we're about to begin our study this evening. I'm actually very excited about this study. It's been a while since I've shared this. And I was trying to make sure everything's rolling here. It's been a while since I've shared this uh, in this way, as far as what we're going to study. In fact, it's actually unique. I actually haven't shared it in this format before. I, I usually share with my young people privately or maybe we're talking amongst ourselves or we're going through the book, um, Education. But we're going to be going and studying. And I promise you, my friends, every Tuesday, when we start going through this process of better understanding the word of God and understanding our purpose and our position and what we're supposed to be doing right now, you're going to see that there's another level of our characters that need to be developed and the purpose of our education, the purpose of our, our living. And I'm just excited to get into the study. I just want to make sure everything is rolling. So the podcast is going, I want to, to request you guys, if you could, if you have your, those of you who are on Facebook, if you could share this and do a, a watch party uh, with the broadcast uh, share with others, the things that we are learning together and uh, feel free to do that, and you could do that throughout. And so hopefully you've brought your Bibles. I'm going to introduce a book that you should have in your library. Uh, the book is called Education, all right? The book is called Education, a great book to, as far as the deep teachings of how true education works. And we're dealing with gospelpreneurship. So if you're, if you're going to own a business or you're gonna run a school, there are principles that are in this book that will help you. Uh, if you're going to have a family, there are principles in this book that will help you. If you're going to be a, gover a governor of a nation or you're dealing with a, a crisis of any viral type, this book, Education, will actually help you. And so I'm, I'm interested in making sure that as, as a people, we're taking our time, we're delving deeply, we're not in a rush, um, and we're, we're studying. Now, if you are not on our mailing list, then you will not receive the study guide that is necessary. And I'm going to, those of you who've already registered, the study guide will be sent to you tomorrow morning. And so you'll have it in your, in your inbox. But those of you who have not registered, direct message me or click the link that's in my uh, Andre Waller feed or Love and Prophecy feed, and you can register again for the lesson guides. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer and we will get started. If you will bow your heads with me for a moment. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy. We thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. As we're about to open the Bible, we ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our guide, to give us wisdom beyond our normality. And we thank you, Lord, for this gift of the Holy Spirit, for you have promised it to us. 
And your word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraid if not, and it will be given. So we thank you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, for a moment, I'm going to share my screen with you. And we are going to begin our study. So let me share my screen here. All right. We have an opportunity tonight to delve into the very beginning. I want to go to the very beginning. And I want to look particularly at the book of Genesis. So we're going to the very beginning. We're going to the book of Genesis. And we're looking for something special, something unique. Now, I put this word up here, gospelpreneurship. I, I don't know if I made the word up, but it's a word that I've never heard before. And I like the word. And so in my mind, when you think of an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is someone that's, you know, goes into an area. They want to start a business. They have all, they put all their mind and their energy into creating something that wasn't there before. And in my mind, as a gospelpreneur, we have some of the same responsibilities, the same tendencies to build something where there is nothing, to be producers and not mere consumers. But in order to get to that point, in order for me to make that statement, I want us to open our Bibles to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we're looking at verse number 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. You guys see? Our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Okay, so this is a simple idea. God creates man in his own image to reflect him, to look like him, to to, to walk like him and, and talk like him. God creates man to be like him and whatever is like him now is now ruling and have a dominion over all the earth. Now, I've been processing this passage for years. I've been thinking about it and processing it and going over it in my mind because ultimately I want to be able to reflect the reality of what God desires his image to be in me. And I pray that's, that's your same desire, right? I pray that in your heart and in your mind, you desire for the complete and total image of God to be replicated in you. Now, with this idea, when God creates man in his own image, there is a process that he puts in place where the whole of man is put together. And man is put together physically, mentally, and spiritually harmoniously. And any type of true education, any type of true development will reflect the intent of God when he created man. So when he created man, he wanted us to be harmonious in our development, complete and total 
in our growth, body, mind, and soul. But there's another point in true education. And, and again, we're, I'm laying the point out and then we're going to prove it. It says here, true education will create a joy of service, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So true education will create this joy, the joy to serve others and the joy not only in this world, but when we get to heaven, this education, this, this development in our character will continue the joy of service. So there are two major things. I, I, I don't want you to miss it. When God creates man, he creates him in his own image. The image of God, body, mind, and soul is to be developed harmoniously and completely. And in that same frame of mind, that development will create a joy of service not only in this world, but in the world to come. Now, keeping that in mind, I want you to go back with me to the book of Genesis. I want to show you something in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Notice what it says. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. What, what does that mean? That means rulership. That means rulership. So they're supposed to take care of the earth. They're supposed to have, take care of the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, the, the ground, the tilling, all those things God put man in charge of for man was to serve the earth and the earth was to serve man. Keep it in mind. Well, let's go a little bit further. So my question I'm going to raise to you right now is where is the source of this true education like where is the source of it where does it come from how does it where, where is it now i want to read a couple of passages to you they're right here in your bible go to the book of colossians colossians the book of colossians chapter two and we're looking at verse number three colossians chapter two and we're looking at verse number three Colossians 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What does it say, my friends? In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So where are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? They are with God. I don't care what the knowledge base is, especially righteous knowledge, that righteous knowledge, the source of that knowledge is from God. All wisdom, all knowledge from the Lord. Go a little bit further with me. Go with me to the book of Job. Job chapter 12. Job chapter 12. And we're looking at verse 13. Job chapter 12. And we're looking at verse number 13. Now watch this now. Watch carefully. Job 12 verse 13 says, With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. With him. Who's the with him? It's talking about with God. With God is wisdom and strength. With God is counsel and understanding. So if I want to understand true education. If I want to understand what it means to be 
a gospelpreneur or an evangelist or a teacher, if I want to understand what it means to be a scientist or a mathematician or a sociologist, the source of all that true knowledge comes from God. Please don't miss it. There is not one line of knowledge, not one line of teaching that if it in any way holds true, does not emanate from God himself. Let me say it a different way. God is the source of all true knowledge. So whether it's you got, you let, whether you like to listen to Socrates or Plato or you're, you're, you're into agriculture or, or you're into sociology and politics or whether you believe in you know, studying math or whatever the source of information or knowledge that you have, all that knowledge comes from God. Man did not make this up. He did not originate how highways are built. He did, man did not come up with gravity. You, you follow what I'm saying? Man did not come up with mathematics. They discovered mathematics. Man is not the originator of true knowledge. The all true lines of knowledge will lead one back to God. Keep it in mind, my friends. I don't want you to run away from this idea for some believe at some way, shape, or form, that with their quote-unquote higher knowledge, they know more than God or God doesn't exist. But the true source of knowledge is God himself. And all lines, if studied properly, will lead into fellowship with the Most High. I want to read something to you. I found it profound. I found it profound. And I'm going to read it to you here. Again, I'm reading from a book called Education. And it's a profound statement. It's on page 16, and it is the first paragraph. I'm sorry, it's not 16. It's page 14, and it is the second full paragraph. So it says, in a knowledge of God, all true knowledge and real development have their source. You guys see that? Wherever we turn, in the physical, mental, or spiritual realm, in whatever we behold, apart from the blight of sin, this knowledge is revealed. What, what do I mean what, when that says that? In other words, whether in the spiritual, mental, or spiritual realm, if it is true, if it is noble, if it is pure, it is emanating from the Most High, and as you are engaging with that purity and with that, with that truth, you are actually engaging with God himself. So you engage with God when you study mathematics. You engage with God when you study science, right science, biblical science, not falsely so-called science. So your, your, your acumen or your, your gathering of information, your, the strength of your intellect is engaged with truth, and as you engage with truth, your brain and your 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 synapses begin to spark, and those are interactions with God Himself. Okay, these are an expression of Him. Now, now notice this: it says, "Whatever line of investigation we pursue." So, whatever line of investigation we pursue, I don't care what you're studying, as long as it's studying. If it's true and you're studying it, watch this. Whatever line of investigation we pursue with a sincere purpose to arrive at truth, 
So if you have a desire to drive at truth, your heart is in that place to come at truth, watch what will happen. We are brought in touch with the unseen. Now, my friends, the first time I read that, I had to ponder. I had to think. Because sometimes, sometimes, I, I have thought in my mind, the only time that I get to engage the most high is when I open my Bible or if I'm in my room praying or something like that. But no, when I'm doing something that reflects a reality of what is truth, then that engagement is an engagement not just with that thing, it's an engagement with God. Because all truth, all wisdom finds its source from him. I hope that's making sense. I hope that's making sense. If it makes sense, just type yes somewhere so I know that it's making sense to you. And, and this is so important because what happens in our pursuit of knowledge, we think we must go outside of God to gain this knowledge. Praise the Lord. So we, we think we have to go outside of God to gain this knowledge. But my friends, the reality is God is the source of this knowledge. No matter what, what no matter what it is. If you if you run sound systems, if you you learn about electricity, God is, God is the source of that knowledge. You want to run a family. God is the source of that knowledge. You need to run a school. God is the source of that knowledge. We run away from God to solve our problems, my friend. We run to men and the Bible is, and the, the truth is not found in men per se. All right. Let's go a little bit further. I want to finish this quote and I want to keep our Bible study. It says. The mind of man is brought in communion with the mind of God, the finite with the infinite. The effect of such communion on body and mind and soul is beyond estimate. What does that mean is beyond estimate? That means you cannot, by your natural human mind, understand the gravity of that communion when you're engaging, looking for God in whatever you're putting your hand to. So when you're in the kitchen and you're baking bread and you're understanding the science of bread making, but in your fellowship with God in the bread making, there is something that happens to your experience that would not normally happen if you're just in there making bread. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's a fellowship. The whole concept is, Enoch walked with God and he was not. He was continually practicing as if he were in the presence of God. This is how Enoch walked with God. And this is what true education begins to provide for us as a people, which then would make us the head and not the tail. And my friends, I, I have to be honest with you. I have not always followed these ideas. I failed on many occasions. I've lost sight of the most high. I've begun to run after the, the next shiny thing that will solve my problem. But I have not gone to the feet of Jesus to investigate with him. Father, guide my mind. Help me to understand business. Help me to understand finance. Help me to understand family. And because I'm trying to handle it myself, boom, 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 fall, fall, fall. And we don't have to do that, my friends. We don't have to do that. But let's go a little bit further. Let me Let me put this back up here for you. Let's go a little bit further. I want to, yeah, there we go. So higher education. What is this higher education? I want to go to the book of Proverbs. We, we've, we've talked about this before. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 2, and we're looking at verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 2, in verse 6, watch this. The Bible says, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Who gives wisdom? The Lord. 
for the Lord giveth wisdom and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Now, let me just pause. My friends, what university on planet Earth could be superior to wisdom that comes out of the mouth of God? What what course of study could one take that would be beyond understanding and hearing and knowing the most high? There is no course of study. There is no understanding that we could enter into that would be superior to the most high. So true higher education is an education that is listening for and seeking God's word and his instruction. Now, in order to fully understand the power of true education and higher education, I want to look at one other verse, and then we're going to proceed to the four main keys that we need to have in order to fully understand true education. Job, Job twenty-two twenty-one. Let's go there very quickly. Job twenty-two twenty-one. Notice what the Bible says. And again, this is the focus of education. This is the focus of fellowship. This is the focus of the development of the Christian walk. Watch what it says. Job 22, 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. What do you mean? Acquaint now thyself with him. Who's the him? We're talking about God. Acquaint yourself with God. This, listen, if you, don't, if you don't know God, all other knowledge is fruitless and pointless. The knowledge of how God thinks, the knowledge of how God works, the knowledge of God's character and his person, the knowledge of him, and I'm talking about knowledge, not just information, but the knowledge in fellowship, that knowledge of him is the most important knowledge that you could have. I know some of us like to learn languages. Like my daughter loves learning languages. She's such a very, very bright young lady. But even learning languages, whether it be Greek or Hebrew, whether they be Spanish or, or, or any other language, whether it be English, whatever language you learn does not substitute for knowing God. Whether, whatever career you go to school for, that career does not substitute for knowing God. God is number one. And that's why sometimes, my friend, have you, have you ever been in love? I've been in love. I know for myself that when, I've, when I have been in a bad space and I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't want to talk to my wife, I don't want to talk to people, that type of mentality is detrimental. And can you imagine people having that mentality towards God? Don't want to talk to God. Don't feel comfortable talking to God. And I understand it. I've been there. I've, I've actually had that experience where I didn't want to talk to God. I know God loves me and I know he he wants me. But I, I for some reason, the devil plays this trick on your brain where it's like, well, I don't want to engage with him. But the Bible is telling us acquaint ourselves with him. There's more to learn about him, just like there's always more to learn about your spouse. There's more to understand about him than what you think, you know, acquaint yourself with God. This is the object and source of our education. Let's go a little bit further. I'm going to show you something else here. Show you something else. So there are four things that we need to understand if we're going to understand true education. If we're going to understand God's intent in the creation of man, if we're going to understand how God intend, intends to raise us up as a people, 
to finish a work in these last hours of Earth's history. And let me tell you something, my friends. The work that needs to be done in the experience of the believer in this present day is so important. It is huge because what's happening in our world presently is putting everyone in a panic and they're going into a, a crisis mode. And my friends, even some of God's people are feeling the same effects. And the reason why we're feeling that way is because we have not acquainted ourselves with God. So let's look at four things. There are four things that we need to understand. Number one, we need to understand the nature of man. According to the Bible, what is what was the nature of man before the fall? Number two, we need to understand God's purpose in the creation of man. So why did God create man? What was his intent and purpose when he put us here on this planet? Number three, there's a change that came over man's nature when sin became part of our experience. And so the question now would be, what was that change? What happened in our, in our natures that changed how God would interact with us and us with God? And number four, what was God's plan after the nature of man was adjusted and after sin came into the world? Now, if we answer these four questions, my friends, we're going to be setting a huge foundation for our continued study as the weeks go by. So let's look at this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Notice now. And in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Powerful. Okay. God creates man in his own image. Male and female were created in his image. Let's go a little bit further. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Notice what it says. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. So keep this in mind. God creates man in his own image, after his own likeness. That means they looked like him. They looked like him. Body, mind, and soul, they reflected the image of their creator. Keep it in mind. They reflected the image of their creator. Let's take it a little bit further. Genesis chapter 2, look at verses 18 through 25. Watch this. So God creates man in his own image, and he does something unique here. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground, 
the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So here God is, is giving Adam a task. He's testing out, if you will, Adam's, Adam's abilities and his, his mindset. And Adam is naming the animals. And every time Adam names the animals, God says, that's good. He did a good job. That's what I would have named them. Huh? God is, God is seeing Adam reflecting himself in the naming of the animals and in the care of the garden. And then it goes on to say, it says, and Adam, verse 20, and Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. Now, again, both Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Both of them. Not just one of them. Both of them were made in the image of God. So notice this now. And the rib, verse 22, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, this is not a relationship talk yet. So tomorrow's the relationship talk. We'll get into what that's all about. But verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, what's it say? She shall be called woman because she was taken out of what? Man, interesting. Adam names all the creatures and he names the woman. Now, when the name is given by someone else, listen to me carefully. When the name is given by the other, if I'm the one giving the name, I am the one with the authority. But the authority is couched in something. Watch carefully what I'm going to say, because I don't want anybody to get confused. I don't want you to be upset about what I'm going to say next. Remember, God made man in his image. Now, tell me, if you had only one word, and I've asked this many times as I taught across the country and around the world, if you had one word that you could use to describe God, and you only had one chance to do it, I wonder what word you would use. Now, there are many words that you could use. You could call him wonderful. You can call him counselor. You call him mighty. The one word that I would use if I had the opportunity that I thought would encompass the reality of what I know God is, that word would be love. So go with me to 1 John 4, 8. Notice what the Bible says. 1 John, 1 John, 1 John, chapter 4, and verse 8. Notice what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8. The Bible says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is, what's it say? Love. That's the word I'm looking for. So when God makes man, he makes man in the image of love. And love is what has dominion over the fish of the sea. Love is what has dominion over the fowls of the air. Love is, is what has dominion over, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
Love is what is naming all the animals and love is what is coming to his bride and he names his bride woman because she's taken from his own DNA, from his side. He names her not because he's authoritative, but he names her because he's authoritative, because it's love, because there's grace reflected in the character and the person of Adam. He reflects God perfectly in his creation. So the nature of man, the nature of man. Now, before I go any further, I, I do want to, I'm going to pass this one. Everybody knows what 1 Corinthians says and 1 Corinthians 13. I don't know if I want to pass it, but I, I do want you to, to understand something. In fact, let's go there for a moment. And we will revisit 1 Corinthians 13 very often when we study together. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it says a couple of things about love. And in the King James, it says the word charity. So that word is love. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Then watch this. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, what's it say? I am nothing. See, my friends, I think we need to believe that. I think there are some of us who would rather prophesy than love. I think there are some of us who rather profess that we have great faith, but we don't know how to love. And here the Bible says, if we don't have love, we don't have anything. This love is a reflection of the image of our Savior, of our Lord, of our King. It is imperative that we learn to love as God loves it says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, <laughs> and though I give my body to be burned, I, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Wait, you mean I can do all these nice things in the community and pass out good stuff and do all these wonderful things and not have love? Are you, are you serious? Are you, you're telling me I could be a martyr. I can burn at the stake and not have love, and it doesn't profit me anything? Mercy, my friends, I think what I'm sharing with you today is of high necessity. Because when God made man, he made man in his image and the image of love he created man. And he shared this, this, this uh, character with his children. Now, this, is, this becomes vital in a moment. Now, again, we're going to details of what love is, but it's not puffed up. It's, it does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't think any evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity. It, does not, it doesn't do any of those things. And my friends, it doesn't, it's, it's so perfect. Like if you read 1 Corinthians 13, it's so perfect that it automatically eliminates me as a regular person. Like naturally, I don't love. And I'm quite sure, my friends, because I know what the Bible says about your natural being as well. You don't love. Love is a supernatural thing. In fact, I'm going to read this. This is from uh, Acts of the Apostles, page 551, paragraph 2. I think it is profound, and I want to make sure it's before you. It says, supreme love for God and unselfish love for one another. This is the best gift that our Heavenly Father can bestow. Wait. <laughs> Anybody get that? The best gift that a heavenly father can bestow is what? Love for God and love, unselfish love for one another. This is the best gift that a heavenly father can bestow, meaning that you and I don't have it. It is given to us from somewhere else. 
It is the best gift that a Heavenly Father can bestow. This love is not an impulse. It is not an impulse. Meaning one day I love my wife and the next day I don't love my wife. One day we want to have, uh, people want to have sex, the next day they don't want to talk to each other. Huh? It's not impulsive. It's not one day I want to buy a gift for this person and the next day I don't want to do it. That's, that's not love, my friends. That's, that's not what it is. And watch this. This love is not an impulse, but a divine principle. It's a divine principle. It's not a feeling. It's a permanent power. The unconsecrated heart, pay attention, the unconsecrated heart cannot originate or produce it. This is the problem because true education is supposed to teach us the reality of this. How do I come to a my life reflects divine love. And we're going to go over it. We're going to, we're going to, I'm telling you, my friends, as we're walking through these chapters, I'm telling you, we're going to come to a place where there'll be no excuse, no excuse. And I don't want any excuses. I want this, what God is promising to me. If he's promised it, why not have it? Why not have it if he's promised it? Now watch this. Only in the heart where Jesus reigns, is it found? Only in the heart. So let's, let's pause for a moment. If love can only be found in the heart of the one where Jesus is supreme in their experience, if that is the only place where love can be found, why am I looking for love in other people? Y'all didn't hear nothing I said. Did you hear what I said? I hope you heard what I said. I'm not looking for love in other people. I'm looking for the source of love. That is Jesus Christ, the righteous, so that I can be loving, serving others, serving others. This is imperative. This is powerful. We love him because he first loved us. In the heart renewed by divine grace, love is the ruling principle of action. It modifies the character governs the impulses, controls the passions, and ennobles the affections. This love, cherished in the soul, sweetens the life and shares a refining influence on all around. My friends, I hope you're getting this. We're talking about true education. We're talking about allowing God to do in us what he said he's going to do. We can't do it with our natural selves. It's impossible for us to do this. This is something that is beyond our own capabilities. Beyond our own capabilities. Let's go a little bit further. So let's deal with the nature of man. So what was the nature of man before the fall? He was like his creator. He was like his creator in body, mind, and soul. He looked like God. He talked like God. In fact, when man was created, the devil was like, yo, that is... Too much of a look-alike. I believe the devil was afraid. So the nature of man is before the fall, he looked like God. He had a mind like God. His soul was like God. He was God's child. She was God's child. Notice this. When Adam came from the creator's hand, watch this now. He bore in his physical, mental, and spiritual nature... A likeness to his maker. A likeness 
So he wasn't God himself, but he looked like God, like I look like my dad, right? God created man in his own image. So before the fall, man's image looked like God. Man's behavior reflected God's. Man's spiritual um, growth and development reflected his father's. This was the nature of man before the fall. But let's go a little bit further. Why was man created? It says, even everyone that is called by my name. What's the purpose? Even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him. What's it say, my friends? I have created mankind for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. So God makes man for his glory. Isaiah 43, verse 7. God makes man for his glory. Isaiah 46, verse 13 says this. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. And my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel. What's it say? My glory. So God is seeking to put his glory on his children. Now, without going to a great study at the moment, the, the idea of glory simply is the revelation of God's character. God expected that when he made man, that man would more and more reflect his character. Now watch what it says. And it was his purpose that the longer man lived, the more fully he should reveal this image and more fully reflect the glory of his creator. So the idea is very simple. The nature of man before the fall, perfect. He looked like God. He talked like God. His spiritual life was reflecting the fathers. He was walking the way that he was supposed to walk. And the purpose of God in the creation of man, that this character, which was love, would grow and it develop and flourish and be something that would just be magnanimous, if you will. However, <laughs> it didn't last, right? It didn't last. And because it didn't last, the nature of man begins to be deadened. So remember, when man's created, he's created in the image of God, body, mind, and soul. So what begins to happen? The body begins to deteriorate. The mind capacity begins to be limited. The spirituality of man began, becomes uh, limited in its purview, in its, in its sight. It couldn't see as well as it used to see before. So the fall of man affected man on all three levels. How many levels? All three. Body, mind, and soul. Remember, when man was created, this harmonious development of body, mind, and soul was God's intent. Harmonious development. So there are some of us, and we need to be honest, and you should just ask yourself question, a question privately, right? Where, how have I developed? Am I strong in the spiritual space, but weak in my physical frame? Is my mental capacity high and my spiritual reality, spirituality low? Do I treat the study of scripture like I don't need to know that, but I'm real strong in my body? My friends, we're supposed to develop harmoniously, harmoniously together. And in that harmonious development, then this joy of service becomes prominent. But watch this. When we are imbalanced, 
body, mind, or soul in balance, serving with our body, serving with our mind, or serving with our soul becomes arduous. It becomes hard. In fact, for many, it becomes nigh impossible because now selfishness begins to reign in the experience of the believer instead of love, which originates from God himself. So how can I love someone who treats me wrong? How can I love someone who I know is a liar? How can I love someone who I know is a murderer? And not just a murderer, they murdered someone in my family. How can I love someone like that? That is supernatural is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that naturally as humanity, we are broken and we can't do what God wants us to do of ourselves. So we just need to stop it. Everybody should stop faking. Everybody should stop trying to be righteous without the righteous one. This, 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 the purpose of education now, we look like God, we talk like God, our, our thoughts and feelings are like God, but now that's being broken down. And now mankind... It, the purpose of mankind, the glory that was there is beginning to fade away. So God says, I have to redouble my efforts. I must do something different. So God creates what we call probationary time. Now, let me read this to you. This is this is uh, from, again, I think it's from the book Education. We're going to see on the next slide. It says, all his faculties, this is before the fall, all his faculties were capable of development. Their capacity and vigor were continually to increase. Vast was the scope offered for their exercise. Glorious the field upon open to their research. The mysteries of the visible universe, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge. Job 37, 16. This invited man's study. Face to face, heart to heart, communion with his maker was his privilege. It was his privilege before the fall. He could talk to God face to face, no veil between. What happened after the fall? Man falls and watch what happens. You know, Genesis chapter three, man listens to another word. Man begins to, Genesis three, man begins to imbibe false education. Supposed hidden knowledge. And that hinted knowledge ended up removing the light, removing the glory that was upon man. Be careful listening to snakes, my friends. Be careful listening to snakes. Notice this. Again, this is education, page 15, paragraph one. Had he remained loyal to God, all this would have been his forever. What's, what is he talking about? This uh, the ability to expand the mind, to, to connect and understand the things in the universe, to have face-to-face -face communion with God. This would have been forever. Throughout the eternal ages, he would have continued to gain new treasures of knowledge, to discover fresh springs of happiness, and to obtain clearer and yet clearer conceptions of the wisdom, the power, and the love of God. More and more fully would he have fulfilled the object of his creation. What is the object of his creation? Here it is. More and more fully have reflected the creator's glory. Now for a moment, somebody's gonna say, man, man it sounds like God's being selfish. Why does, the, why does the creator want us to reflect his glory? Wait a second. You gotta remember, the creator is the same as the redeemer. 
It is this selfless love that is reflected from the throne of the Most High that he once reflected in his children. That is why he that seeks to be first will be what? Last. But he that is last shall be what? First. He that is humble shall be exalted. But he that is exalted shall be brought low. Why? Because it is in humility, my friends, and it is in the spirit of service that God says, I can trust him. And in trusting him with the spirit of service, we reflect the glory and the character of God. So, yes, he wants us to be more fully reflecting him because this is what love is. Are you following, my friends? Love. Love that is not normal. Love that is not natural. Love that comes from beyond into our experience, my friends. So disobedience equals image distortion. Listen, remember, we were made in the image of God. So disobedience equals image distortion. So no longer do we reflect love. Just look at our world. We ain't got to ask no questions. Look at our world. We're supposed to take care of the fish in the sea. Are we doing that right? No. We have all sorts of pollutants and all sorts of bad things in the, in, in the sea. What about the land? Are we taking care of the land? No, we're destroying the land. And the Bible says God will destroy those who destroy the earth. Are we taking care of the air? No, we're not taking care of the air, my friends. We're, everything that we've been entrusted with, we are compromising for selfish purposes. And I'm, say, I'm saying we, I'm saying we, we. Our development has been stunted because we have been beholding things of this world and not beholding the things of God. Our development has been stunted. The image has been distorted. And guess what? God desires to recreate the image of God in man so that he can restore and put us back into positions of dominion so that we can rule with love. And my friends, that can happen. That can happen in our homes. That can happen in our in, in, in the development of our characters for the kingdom that is to come. And it can happen in the expansion of God's kingdom here on planet Earth. But disobedience equals image distortion. So the question comes, are you and I being disobedient in any way? Just I'm just asking the question. You can answer your own question. Are we being disobedient in any way intentionally? I'm not talking about things you don't know. I'm talking about the things you know. Because if you are, we're distorting the image of God and we're bringing death and disaster into this world. But let's go further. Disconnection equals image distortion. Disobedience is disconnection. And the source of glory and the source of light, the source of knowledge, the source of true education comes from God. And when I disobey, I disconnect. I disconnect. I don't want that. And I pray, brothers and sisters, we all come to a place in our experience where we don't want that either. So we've been given probationary time. We've been given the opportunity of re-education and re-education equals Redemption. Re-education is equal to redemption. I want to take I want to I want to take you to a, uh, this idea. Love is the foundation. Do you know that in order to build a two thousand seven 
the three foot skyscraper, you have to build 282 feet deep as a foundation. So before you can build up, you have to first dig down and you have to lay the foundation deep so that when the winds of life come, that skyscraper does not bend this way or it doesn't fall over this way and it doesn't fall over this way. It, it just gives a slight little and a slight little. But the foundation is strong and broad and deep so that there's nothing that can cause the, the foundation, the, the church itself to fall. I hope you're following the idea. So love is the foundation. And because love is the foundation, notice what the Bible says. I want you to go to Ephesians. This is my this has been my favorite text in the Bible. One of my favorite. I mean, there's so many. I, I, I can't just choose one. But this is one of my favorite. Watch this, my friends. Watch this. It says. Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. It says for this cause. I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, pause for a second. He's going to grant me according to the riches of his glory. Tell me, how rich is he? <laughs> He's infinitely rich. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Pay attention. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded. How my friends? In love. You're rooted and you're grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge that ye might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. So listen, God's intent in the creation of man was that man would reflect the character of God more and more and more throughout eternity. But man sins. So what happens? The image is distorted. So God says, I must do a new thing. I must do something to reeducate man and I will give him a probationary time. But all true education, all redemption, all salvation is based on love. It is not based on fear, not fear of the last days, not fear of hellfire, not fear of what a church thinks. It is based on love. It's not based on a culture. It's not based on anything else but God himself. And we must come to know God. This is the purpose of education. And if your education leads you to disbelieve God or to not trust God, and when I say education, please listen, I'm not talking about school alone. Education happens when you sit and watch television. Education is what happens when you sit and watch YouTube. Education is what happens when you sit and scroll through Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Education is what happens when you sit around and you're talking with others. You are either being influenced or you're influencing Education 
is to be used to know God and express God and to come closer to God. If anything takes you away from him, stop it. Period. Stop it. Ask God to give you a love for him because it's not natural, right? Everything I said to you is not natural. He has to do something special for you and for me. I want you to look at something. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Luke, Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Notice here. The Bible says, and the answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul huh, and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. First part of the verse, love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart and with all thy what? Soul and with all thy what? Strength. So true education will train the heart and the mind to love God with everything they got. Soul, heart, strength. Now strength, my friends, we're talking about strength. We're talking about the physical frame. The soul is the spirit of man. The mind is the intellect, the heart, the passions. True education will will begin to harness all these aspects of man in the direction of the source of where we came from so that we can reflect that reality to others. But when we let our physical frame go, our love for God is not as high. When we let our mental frame go, our love for God is not as high. When we let it go, I'm not saying, we're, I'm not saying that we don't have our imperfections. I'm saying that when we tolerate them, when we tolerate and just say, oh, this is just the way I am. This is just how I am. We are, we are not passing class at that point. We are missing the educational emphasis that God is seeking to have. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. That's with everything. And the question is, do you love him with everything? And I know I've had to answer that question in recent days. And so I said, Father, no, I don't love you like I should. Honestly, I don't love you like I should. Father, teach me how to love you like I should. And when you answer that and when you request that, God begins to do a new thing in you. I hope anybody, I, <coughs> I hope everybody's listening, man. I hope you're listening. The first object of education is to love God with everything. And you can't love him with everything because that's not force, right? You can't force that type of love. You can't force that type of love. You can't. If God says, love me, and then you're like, okay, he said to love me, I'm going to love him. That's not how it goes. He says, love me. He's not just saying, love me. He's saying, look and see, behold my character. Look, my son. Look, my daughter. Behold the wondrous things that I have provided for you. Behold me. I love you with everything I have. I have given everything for you. As we behold him, then we will love him. And when you stop beholding him, when you stop spending time with him, when you stop having devotion, when you stop praying, that's when your love begins to wane because you're not spending time. It's in any relationship, husband or wife, no time, love wanes. 
time. That's what he wants. Give him some time and he'll create in you what you don't have. Again, my favorite quotation, education, page 178. As the student of the Bible beholds the Redeemer, there's awakening in the soul, the mysterious power of faith, adoration, and love. Upon the vision of Christ, the gaze is fixed. And the beholder grows into the likeness of that which he adores. Oh, my friends, the simplicity of the idea is to find Jesus' face and behold him and fellowship with him. And truly in that educational communion, you begin to love what he loves. You begin to like what he likes. You begin to want to spend time where he spends time because you begin to love who he is. And it's created in you because you didn't have it yourself. That's the first concept true education second second part is right there in the verse verse 27 and with all thy mind and thy what's it say and thy neighbor as thy what self if you don't love yourself you can't love your neighbor go with me to luke 22 luke 22 verse 39 luke 22 i mean matthew 22 matthew 22 matthew 22 verse 39 notice what the bible says And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Every instruction given thereafter is based on these two points. Love for God and love for man. But you can't love man if you don't love yourself. And you won't love yourself if you don't love God. Did you guys get that? <laughs> you can't love man if you don't love yourself, and you can't love yourself if you don't love God, for God reveals the reality of what you are because you know who he is and what he intended for you. God is love. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Mercy, my friends. I think this is to me, profound. To me, life-changing. If you think about it and you meditate on it, completely awesome. So how did God teach before? And I'm going to try to bring this to, a, to an end. How did God teach before? Before the fall. God taught through direct communion. If you were, if you were there, he spoke to you face to face. Perfect communion. There was no go-between. There was no mediator. There was no medium. You could talk to God directly. That was before the fall. After the fall. Oh, also, before the fall, you could see God clearly through his works, like through nature. So nature is there, and you could look at nature before the fall and see the expression of God in his creation. Now, Think about this for a moment. When you go to a art show, and my friend was telling me about an art show that he and his uh, his uh, girlfriend or fiance were went to, and they didn't know what kind of art show it was. They walk in there, and then there's all these these pieces, all these nude pieces everywhere. Okay, the art reflected the mind of the person who created it. Are you following? The art reflected the mind of the person who created it. 
So when at creation, when God spoke and it was done and it was in perfection, it was a reflection of his mind and heart clearly with no flaws. But after the fall, creation is marred. After the fall, man could no longer directly talk with God himself. After the fall, this is a, a broken, a broken communion. Are you following? So God says, and inspiration, the word of God, the written word of God is the clearest, perfect expression of the mind of God, the Bible, the Bible. That book is how we commune in fellowship with God. God speaks through his word, and we, through that, in that interaction with his word, come to a better understanding of who God, who God is. Now watch this. Let me, let me move this over here. Let me say, put this here. It is through the word that we come to a knowledge of God as our creator and Christ as our redeemer. Listen, and I want to challenge those of you who are listening on Facebook. If you're on the webinar, listen to me. And I want to try to say this quietly so you don't think I'm just being some crazy guy. If you don't have a perfect knowledge of creation and you don't have a perfect knowledge of redemption, and when I say a perfect knowledge, I mean that you're you you are submersing your mind in Bible texts that talk about God as our creator and then submersing your mind in studying creation to understand how it works and then studying the Bible to understand the plan of redemption and how God is going to save humanity and having it on the top of your mind. Let me tell you something. I can tell when somebody has spent time with Jesus. You know why? They talk a lot about the gospel. They talk a lot about the plans of God. They talk a lot about the things of God. But I can tell the people that focus on the things of this world. You know why? Because they talk a lot about what LeBron is doing. They talk a lot about what Donald Trump is doing. Every post they put up is about politics. Every post they put up is about something else other than what God is about. I can tell those who have spent time with Jesus and those who have not. And my friends, I'm telling you, we need to spend more time. What do you say? More time. The more we submerse our mind in the knowledge of God and as our creator and as our redeemer, we will find, we will find that our experience will reflect, our experience will reflect our knowledge of him. So I see that there is a hand raised and I will take your hand, Sister Evelyn, right at the end. So remind me, I will take your hand right at the end, write your question down or your thought down. I'll be happy to take your thought right at the end, all right? So notice my friends, the written word of God. This is the clearest expression of God's word. It is the most perfect expression of it. Sin has come into the world and has thwarted the clear expression of God in creation. Now let's take this a little bit further. I want to I want to show you something else. Let me see this here. So when we were created, we were created with a power akin to that of our creator. Okay? A power akin to that of our creator, the power to think and to do the power to think and the power to do this is so this is so important this is so important the power to think and to do and those who have this ability to think 
and to do. This power will make them bearers of responsibility. This power will make them leaders in enterprises. And this power will help them to influence character in the right direction. The power to think and to do. So let me, let me give you an example. When God said, let there be light, he thought it, he spoke it, and it was done. Let there be a firmament. He thought it, he spoke it, and it's done. There is power in the words that we say, for the words that we say become our thoughts and what we think and what we feel begin to reflect in our reality. That's why we have to be so careful. That's why we have to be so careful in what we're thinking and what we're doing and what we're saying and how we're behaving because what we what we have is the power to think and to do. So if I'm thinking negative, what begins to be more apparent is negativity. If I'm, if I'm ignoring reality, what begins to happen? Bad things begin to happen around me because I'm not paying attention to the reality of what's going on. I need to think and I need to do. It's interesting. Before somebody makes a book, what happens? The process is in the mind, and then it manifests itself in reality. I have the power to think and to do. Those who develop this skill set become the top and not the bottom. They become the head and not the tail. Let's go a little further with this idea. Notice this. And in order to do this, like to develop the power to think and to do at a high level, we have to go to the source. And the source or sources is nature and revelation. And I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about revelation as far as inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit speaking through his word. Nature and revelation are both expressive of the person of God. It is imperative, my friends, that we spend time learning these things. Now, because this education begins to take place, then our duty and our destiny becomes clear. And if we have clear duty and we have a clear destiny, our intellect is now expanding and our thoughts become God's thoughts in a small way, okay? In a small way, we begin to reflect the reality of what God intends for us as his children. So important. It is so important. So back, the idea, the power to think and to do. When I first came across this concept, I thought to myself, this is what makes us different from the other created beings as far as animals are concerned. God has given us an intellect beyond those creatures. And God wants to restore our ability to think. Now, for a moment, I want you, all to, I want you guys to think about what's happening in our world right now. I want you to think about the messaging that is being repeated over and over and over again. If you're watching the news, what's being repeated to you? What's being told to you over and over and over again? And what's happening? People are behaving in a way in mass herd-like mentality. The herd goes to the store and buys all the toilet paper. 
The herd goes to the store and buys all the hand sanitizer. The herd goes and the herd is moving because someone is feeding them information and feeding them information. Now, am I saying don't prepare? Don't, no, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying, who are you listening to? You see, if we were following what inspiration already said to do, we wouldn't have to run with the herd. We were already been prepared. Amen. But we're running with the herd. We're supposed to be masters and not slaves. We're supposed to be producers and not mere consumers, not living off of other people, but being producers where our lives reflect fruits, whether it's our Listen, anything that a listen, I'm going to say this, anything that a believer puts his hands to should prosper. And when I find myself not prospering, I have to ask myself the question, am I doing anything that would displease God? Now, there comes a point when the believer will suffer. And the reason why he will suffer is because the enemy will attack. That happens. I'm not speaking in regards to the attacks of the enemy. I'm not speaking to instances of Job and his whole family being destroyed. I'm talking about before Job was attacked, he was what? Prospering. And the only reason why he didn't prosper was because the devil wanted to prove to God that Job only served him because of his blessings. So in these last days, everything we put our hands to as believers should prosper. When we open a business, it should prosper. If we have a family, it should prosper. If we have our finances, they should prosper. We have homes, they should prosper because we are reflecting the character of God. Tell me, does God prosper? Is he a producer? Yes, he is a producer. Yes, he prospers. And somebody says, Andre, you're talking a prosperity gospel. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real prosperity gospel, the development of character. That bears fruit to the glory of God. That at the end of the day, God will say, this is my child. This is my child. I know him. He reflects me. I'm going to read these things to you. I'm going I'm to I'm gonna wrap this up. And I, I know my sister had a question, so I'm going to get to her question. But I want to I want to read this to you because I. I just thought it'd be better just reading it because I could have said it, but I want to read it to you. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I, I want to read this to you. Again, this is from the book, a book called Education. And it's the last section in the first chapter. So on page 18. It says such an education provides more than mental discipline. It provides more than physical training. So. At our at regular universities, you go there for mental discipline, right? You go there for people are into sports, so they have physical training. Our education is superior to that. It strengthens the character. So true education strengthens the character. So that truth and uprightness are not sacrificed to selfish desire or worldly ambition. It fortifies the mind against evil. So as believers, if we're imbibing evil, if we're enjoying evil, if we're happy about evil, we're watching it on TV or whatever, if we're enjoying that, we are contrary. Our education has been deformed. And guess what? Praise God. He has not cast us off. He says, I want to reform. I want to re-educate. 
It says, instead of some master passion becoming a destroying power, every motive and desire are brought into conformity to the great principles of right. As the perfection of his character is dwelt upon. Whose perfection of character? Jesus, the Lord's. As the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed. And the soul is recreated in the image of God. Y'all get that? <laughs> as you behold him, as you're spending time with him, then we become more like him. As you meditate upon Calvary, as you behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, our lives begin to reflect that reality. I will not accept that I have to wallow in my sins. I don't have to wallow in my sins. I don't have to have a bad temper. I don't have to have passions that are out of control. I don't have to lose my way. I don't have to have a bad diet. I don't have to do bad things. No, I refuse to accept that. I be believe that as I behold Jesus, he begins to work in me what I don't have of my natural self. What education can be higher than this? What can equal it? In value. And I love I love the, the Bible verses from Job 28 verses 15 through 18. It says it cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it. And the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or, or pearls for the price of wisdom is beyond uh, rubies. Folks want to deck themselves out with gold chains, but don't deck themselves out with the wisdom of God. I love this last one. Higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Godliness, God-likeness, is the goal to be reached. Before the student, there is open a path of continual progress. That means we continue to grow. We continue to develop. He has an object to achieve, a standard to attain that includes everything good and pure and noble. He will advance as fast and as far as possible in every branch of true knowledge. Come on now. But his efforts will be directed to objects as much higher than mere selfish and temporal interests as the heavens are higher than the earth. Praise the Lord. You guys get that? Higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for us. He desires us to be the head and not the tail. And as being the head, we will reflect love to all those that we encounter and that we are, are, are engaged with. God has every intent. So if you have a business, you run it after God's principles. If you have a ministry, you run it after God's principles. You have a restaurant, you run it the way God says run it. You have a family, you raise it the way God says raise it. And in doing so, the character of God is reproduced and reflected amongst his children. Mercy, my friends. Mercy. 
I, now I had there was a question. I want to take that question. That was a mistake. Okay, Sister Evelyn, praise God. Praise God, my friends. I I, I want you. I want to challenge you. I I at the end of the day, at the end of the day, head knowledge is not enough. I want an experience with God. And the only way to have an experience with God is to take this book, read this book, what it says, you follow. What it says that you don't know how to do, you say, Father, help me to do. You take a promise, you believe the promise, you walk in that promise, and as you are honest with God, he will reveal himself in fellowship with you, in love with you. So my challenge today, tonight, my friends, let's let's find that time with Jesus. Let's ask God to work in us, work in us to reflect the lovely image of Jesus so that when he comes again, he will find faith on the earth and he will find children that look just like him. Behold, what manner of love the father has given unto us that we should be called the children of the most high. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. Want to thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, I want to be like you. I know those who are listening and taking the time out of their evening to listen want to be like you. And we can't do it without you. So thank you for being a God that loves us and be, and explaining to us this plan. And I know, Father, there's so much more that could be said. But help us to take what you have provided this evening and apply it in our experience that we will love you and honor you. And you will be receive all the praise and honor and glory and thanksgiving. I know, Father, that there's another level that you want us all to come to. Please, Lord. Show us the way. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my friends, if possible, share this with your friends and family. You start another watch party. Give it away. I don't care. I mean, just let's get the message out to as many people as possible so that we can all be ready for the Lord's soon return. Because troubles sometimes are here. But our Lord is preparing us to see him soon face to face. So please. Share this with as many as possible. Um, those of you who have already registered, I will send you your handout in the morning. Those of you who have not registered, please inbox me or register, and I will make sure that you get your handout as well. God bless you. And Maranatha, love you guys. Thank you for signing in. Mm-hmm.